Hi everybody, hey it's Barry again and so good to be back with you again for another blog post that I've just written and uh, actually today's, this, this week's been quite a cool week for me because I've actually um, just put out my very first course and it's called dig, How to Dig Yourself Out of Your Own Hole. <laughs> Sounds like a um, something from a plumber or excavator's group but it's actually how to dig yourself out of say um, depression or a mental health hole or just a situation you're in um, and it's it's pay what you want so it's like you can have it for free or you could go to infinity and beyond and um, pay me a gazillion dollars but anyway <laughs> I know you won't do that but it, it is really it's a culmination of like lots of stuff that I've been writing and thinking about over many years and it's all, all now in a one hour 43 minute uh, course and um, it's videos, uh, audio, and like a little workbook. But hey, if you want to learn more about that, come over to turningthepage.co.nz and go into the learning section, and there'll be uh, how to dig yourself out of your hole. <laughs> but on and onwards and upwards into uh, this week's post, which is all about religion. Now, before you turn off, just just hear me out. <laughs> you know, when you say the word religion. Um, Mm, you'll get lots of reactions, don't you? It's like the word religion can be a springboard to thoughts of rules and regulations and rituals and commitments and vows, attendance at meetings, obedience, hierarchy, and people often wearing funny looking clothes. <laughs> um, and religion is often seen as like a straitjacket to freedom. You, know, you must do certain things to get right with God and be part of the group. But actually, I think we are all prone to want to find a religion of our own, uh, even making a religion that we can call home. Um, and I think it's quite important that we look into the word religion a little bit deeper. And if we look into the history of the word, we find that it comes from two words. Um, and I'm going to absolutely mess up the speaking of this later, so please forgive me. Um, Religare, i.e., rare as in again so repeat or review um, rare and legare which means to reconnect so religario is a reed ligament or reconnect and like when i first saw that i thought wow you know here's a surgeon um, reconnecting ligaments and bones back into the sockets where they've been pulled out or, or a physio or someone who knows about bones and stuff pushing those um uh, ligaments back together, um, reconnecting, and so in religion, it's it's. I think there's the word, the meaning is more that there is a reconnection to something uh, bigger than oneself, um, kind of like we've drifted, or detached, or disconnected, and we want to come home to the unity of something bigger than ourselves. Um, there's also the thought of like a realignment. And uh, recently I got uh, four new tyres put on my ute, which is quite expensive. And they said, yeah, we'll, we'll realign the tyres too. So that they, they put it on the machine, made sure all the tyres were going exactly the same path, straight straight pathway. And so religion um, in this meaning offers like a realignment to a drifting soul as such. And here is the path, walk this path, and it's like a compass to follow. And so using all these definitions, I think we all actually have a religion, <laughs> a method by which we can reconnect with something bigger than ourselves, 
something that kind of aligns us. And uh, we may not be even conscious of it, but it will be there calling us back to uh, a conformity, I suppose. You know, it might be that sport you love. <laughs> you look at some of the, the um, sporting fans and their sport is a religion, isn't it? You've got to say. Or it could be a personal philosophy or, or a political party. Oh, political zealots. Hmm. Uh, what about the religion of communism? <laughs> Lenin would be rolling in his grave at the moment. Or, or capitalism. Yeah, there's a religion there. We all have a religion, but it may not be meeting in a building on a Sunday morning or afternoon or whatever. So, um, what can religion offer you? Well, I've got this sort of story that I've just been buzzing around in my brain a bit. And it, it was a busy neighbourhood. And there was cars and buses and trucks uh, driving lots of the street, really fast and noisy and dangerous. But there was no place for the children to play, uh, to have fun, explore, climb, kick a ball, fall out of a tree, whatever. Uh, nowhere for lovers to walk and children to make friends. So, so the parents actually got together and found an empty area in the middle of their neighbourhood and petitioned the town council to create a park full of swings and jumps and climbing frames and a place for a lot of fun. And it was agreed. And the building began. You know, trees were planted and a water fountain was installed. Uh, flower gardens, picnic tables, park benches, climbing walls, poles to swing off. Lots of green, grassy area. And, you know, and this was a place where everybody could come and reconnect to the joy of play and fun. You know, first kisses would be experienced there. Mm. Lifelong friendships would form. You know, people would stretch out on the grass and enjoy the summer sun. But nearby was that really busy, dangerous road. And it was a huge risk for any child chasing a ball. So the council, um, what they did was they, they built a fence. And it was strong and sturdy and stopped any errant ball or flying frisbee. <laughs> Bang! And the, and the child would not be able to get in the danger zone. You know, everyone was safe while they stayed within the park's boundaries, within that fence line and inside the, the lines of love and respect. Uh, and I think religion in many ways offers the nuts and bolts and mesh of the fence line. Uh, we know the rules, the norms, the social conventions. Uh, for newcomers, it has to be taught. Look, in this park, we don't have drunken wild parties. It's not safe for the children. And we don't do drugs. If you want to do that, go to some other park. <laughs> Sadly, though, that I, I have found, and many people have found it, that there are many people more interested in focusing on the fence line and the rule board at the entry gate than enjoying the relational benefits of the park. Uh, they may even form committees. <laughs> oh, committees! To ensure everybody knows the rules. And the fence line is strong and robust. Look, I once had someone come to me wanting to point out the fence line. You know, pull out his finger. <laughs> the rules and the regulations. And, and when I suggested we talk about a Jesus story about the fence line, he wasn't interested. In fact, he said, I don't want to talk about his, I don't want to talk about Jesus, was his response. Now, 
when someone comes and says, I don't want to talk about Jesus, that's like a big, big waving red flag. And I'm like, oh, well, I actually don't really want to talk with you. Because <laughs> I love Jesus. I don't like fence lines. The fence lines are good, but I want to talk about Jesus. Uh, I was inviting him to play on the Jesus climbing frame. And all he wanted to do was inspect the tightness of the mesh fence. His religious playground was small, black and white, and empty of life. His back was turned away from having relational fun, and he faced forward like a sergeant major, making sure the religious rules were kept and abided by. He was he was trapped in what Richard Raw would call early stage religion, and and Richard says early stage religion tends to focus on cleaning up, which is to say. Uh, determining who meets the requirements for moral behaviour and religious belief. You know, and it's that early stage religion that dry, get, that gives religion a really bad rap. You know, who wants that? Sadly, many people stay stuck in early stage religion and never learn to dance in the summer sun and find that first enduring kiss of grace. <laughs> Look, I want to be inside the park uh, to make great friends, have fun and play. You know, to be vulnerable, um, express love to others and feel the love coming back. Look, I can't tell you the number of passionate lovers in my park. I really can't, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, I know there is a fence and some group norms and it keeps us safe. But I want to know the friends in my playground first. You know, Jesus, he was a rule breaker. You wouldn't think that, would you? You know. Uh, well, at least the rules set up by man to sort of codify what was right and wrong. And there's a story that Jesus was on one Sabbath, which was like a really holy day in the Jewish faith. And he was strolling, I love that word, strolling with his disciples through a field of ripe grain. And hungry, the disciples were pulling off heads of grain and munching on them. You can imagine they're hungry, so grab some wheat. <laughs> munching away and then some pharisees you know these were the rule keepers these were the fence watchers these were the the, the guys inspecting the faint paint on the fence line <laughs> um reported them to jesus your disciples is breaking the sabbath rules now what, what what they were doing was basically harvesting wheat which was considered as work which was not to be done on the sunday or on the saturday on the sabbath and Jesus said to them, look, really? Really? <laughs> Didn't you ever read what David and his companions did when they were hungry? How they entered the sanctuary, so that's like the real, real holy place, and ate fresh bread off the altar. Bread that no one but the priests were allowed to eat. Naughty David, he broke the rules. <laughs> And didn't you ever read in God's law that priests carrying their temple duties break Sabbath rules all the time? And it's not held against them. Ah. Oh. And he's, then he carries on. He says, There is far more at stake here than religion. Okay? If you had any idea what the scripture meant, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. Whoa. Read that again. I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. You wouldn't be nitpicking like this. The Son of Man, which was him, is no yes man to the Sabbath. He's in charge. 
then he carries on and tells another story. When Jesus left the field, you can tell he probably a bit worked up by this, eh? But he entered their meeting place. So he, he entered um, uh, the, 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 the church building as such. And there was a man with a crippled hand, right? Okay, he, here in church as such was a man who was who had a crippled hand. And, and, and then Jesus said to them, look, is it legal to heal on the Sabbath? Um, they, well, they said to Jesus, is it legal to heal on the Sabbath? <laughs> so, is it legal to do work, like healing, <sighs> on the Sabbath? And they were baiting him. They, they, they were trying, trying to get him into an argument. And so, the wisdom of Jesus, he said to them, Is there a person here who, finding one of your lambs, okay, a little sheep, who that had fallen into a ravine, wouldn't, even though it was the Sabbath, even was even though it was the day you, you shouldn't be doing work, pull it out. Okay? So there's a little lamb down there. But it's a Sabbath. I can't do that. <sighs> surely, he said, surely kindness to people is as legal as kindness to animals. <laughs> he was really sticking it to them. And then he said to the man with the crippled hand, Hold out your hand. And so the man held it out and it was healed. Wow. On the Sabbath, Jesus did work. And the Pharisees walked out furious, sputtering about how they were going to ruin Jesus. These were fence watchers. They were inspecting every legal mesh link on the fence. They were more interested in religion than in relationship. And so, yeah, in that passage of Jesus, what was more important? I think it was the following the following of the religion, or, or was it the dance of relationship Jesus was part of? But when I'm told that I'm religious, I feel like I'm a movie screen and people are projecting onto me all their views and opinions about religion, the religious people. Look, my religion is not so much about following the rules. It's more about being in a relationship. And in the relationship, good things happen. <laughs> Crippled men's hands get healed. You know, sheep, lambs get pulled out of out of ravines. <laughs> People are allowed to eat wheat on a Sunday, <laughs> Saturday, whatever. Good things happen. <sighs> you see, the religious rules become the background to the deeper relationship that is happening. You see, where you focus is where you'll go. You know, and when I focus on the fence, when I focus on on keeping the rules, I lose out on the relationship. I lose out on the relationship offered to me in the playground, and I, I disconnect from the ones I'm to be in relationship with. I disconnect with the, the man with the crippled hand, and I don't think Jesus would be happy with that. Now, I, I stop smelling the roses when I start inspecting the flaky paint on the wire. And I stop enjoying the sun streaming down when I'm stooping to dig dirt for a new and stronger fence. Looking at the fence is hard work, but playing on the swing is fun. And so the question is, is um, where is your religion, whatever that is, where is it taking you? 
um, it could be a sport, it could be a philosophy, it could be a spiritual faith, but where is it taking you? Is the realignment it offers you, is it reconnecting you with something bigger than yourself? I think religion has a lot to offer our mental health. That that realignment and reconnection to something healthy and whole. Uh, I also know that religion can bring a great deal of unwellness to people. Anxiety, depression, guilt, shame, fear, to, to name but a few. And so what does... um. What, what does a healthy um, religion for our mental health look like? And uh, years ago I found this, this piece by Dr. David Benner. He suggested there were six markers of healthy spirituality, which we can, which we can bring into as a context for our, our, um, how we consider our religion. Number one, is it grounded in reality and it's helping, helping to see things as they truly are? Number two is awareness. Number three is hopeful openness. Number four is loving connectedness. Number five is transcendent meaningfulness. And six is capacity for work, um, love and play. <laughs> and you can read more about those. I've got a link here on the website in this blog post. But um, I'm asking you, is your place of reconnection and realignment growing those six qualities in you? See, I'm not religious, but I have a religion. And I say, let's dance and play. Here's a few quotes for us to consider. The essential function of religion is to radically connect us with everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> Religio is to realignment or reconnect. It is to help us see the world and ourselves in wholeness, and not just in parts. Richard Raw. Uh, to the Jewish person, and to all of us who have inherited their wisdom, there was one face that we are looking to, uh, that we look to for mirroring. One face that we keep returning to for validation and definition. The face of God. Healthy religion creates very healthy people. That's from Richard Raw. Symbolism, however, always connects what has been thrown apart. Always reconnects what has been thrown apart. This probably explains why healthy religion, religio, bind back together, throughout history gives us symbols, images of reconciliation that heal, put together what has been taken apart. Richard Raw. And this is from uh, David Benner. Religious beliefs and the accompanying sense of belonging within a community that shares the monopoly on truth, those beliefs appear to represent, feed a basic need of the ego. The ego needs to feel special. It does this by making distinctions that set it apart from others. Possessing the truth and belonging to the small circle of those that share this distinction is like a hit of crack cocaine to the fragile ego. <laughs> I love that. I'll read it again. Possessing the truth and belonging to the small circle of those that share this distinction is like a hit of crack cane to the fragile ego. It feels incredibly good. It wraps the invulnerable the ego in a luxurious soft fabric that makes it feel warm, comfortable and substantial. But like a bandage wrapped too tightly around a wound, it cuts us off from our essential vitality. After all, what need is there for further becoming if you already exclusively possess the full truth? Boy, there's a lot in there. 
David Bennett, good stuff. So more from David. Religions lose their way when they focus primarily on the transmission and defence of beliefs and the cultivation of belonging that occurs around those circles of belief. Christians also do this when they settle for beliefs rather than personal knowing. They do this when they worship Jesus rather than following the path he lived and taught. Faith should enable them to walk the path becomes reduced to agreement with propositions. And a final David Benner. Love that guy. In my view, Christianity lost its way when it settled for being a religion rather than a transformational path that I am convinced was what Jesus came to teach, live and offer the world. And as a result, Christianity is on the verge of irrelevance to spiritual seekers, both with and outside the church. Brilliant stuff. Hey, a couple of questions. Number one, what is your gut reaction when someone says the word religion? Number two, is your focus more on the fence line or on the playground? What feels safer? <laughs> Number three, which is a strange little question, but where did you have your first kiss of love? Big question. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Um, got any questions, any comments, uh, fire me an email. I just love to hear from my uh, readers and viewers and listeners and all those people. <laughs> it's Barry at turningthepage.co.nz. Um, if you uh, want to support what I'm doing here, maybe a US dollar a month, that'd be great. Uh, you can do that. Uh, come over to turningthepage.co.nz forward slash support and golly gee you might just get something free <laughs> okay and help me a lot all right okay catch up with you next week okay bye